Hey guys, welcome back to Chaos Movies. You're with Chris and doing a double header tonight. Thought I'd drop in real quick and talk about the film Joker. Uh, well, I'll try not to say too many R's throughout this this review, but I fucking love this movie. I watched it, this is my third time, and a lot's happened since it came out in 2019. I just never got around to it because of all the events going around the world and I just found a little bit more inspiration in other films but watching this one in our current society with everything's going around um, with all the COVID shit I mean this film just seems a little bit more you know I don't know relevant in some way in a, in a, in a sense first up what I want to talk about besides of getting to the nitty-gritties, this film was considered unbelievably violent. Um, and I guess because in some way it's, um, it's, a, it's, it's violent, but not as violent as every other film that was out there. So Joaquin Phoenix actually said something about uh, the critics that's, uh, mentioned the violence throughout this film and he acknowledged that while the film was violent um, it's a little bit more visceral and raw than films such as like the Avengers series and blah blah, blah. which which makes a lot of sense because in this film yeah you really do get a sense of of disturbing unease um, violence it's pretty brutal, but if you look at a horror movie, well, hell no, it's not as violent as a horror movie or some sort of supernatural thriller or a Taking Lives movie with Angelina Jolie or a fucking Avengers movie where they're cutting Thanos' head off with a friggin' bloody Stormbreaker axe, you know what I mean? Like this one, it's because this one seems to be a little bit more real that then critics go, hey, it's a little bit off-putting. Let's be let's be a little bit, a little bit sensitive about how we talk about it. Because at the end of the day, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, not in his sense, not in Joaquin Phoenix's uh, portrayal of the Joker, um, but but in their own sort of way, some people feel a little bit belittled by society, and that can tip the scale sometimes. And I hope for God that it wouldn't you know, generally happen, but in a movie sense for this film, particularly the way Joaquin plays it, it just starts the story off as this, he is absolutely nothing and is shat on by all forms. Even if he was on the ground and a rat ran past him, the rat would kick him in the stomach just because the rat even thinks he's a piece of shit. The rat even thinks Arthur Peck is a piece of shit in this movie. That's how, how low it's gotten. That's why this movie is so compelling in its story. He is the lowest of the low and then they want to unravel how his personality just spirals out of control as the movie forms and transitions from a deep, dark um, birth story of the joker and ties in with how it meets 
the Batman side of things. One thing I do, uh, I suppose they don't do the whole Batman-ish type thing, but they do bring Thomas Wayne into it, a.k.a. Batman's father, Bruce Wayne's father. And in this particular film, they use a guy who seems to be like six foot three, quite big stature, a bit arrogant, bit rude, whatever. But in all the other portrayals of Batman that we've seen, Bruce Wayne isn't that tall. Uh, Sorry, Thomas Wayne isn't that tall. So on and so on. So this film is heavily dependent on the Joker being born and the way he sees everyone else around him, his delusional thoughts about the world around him, uh, sorry, disillusioned thoughts, uh, about Thomas, so it's his portrayal. Thomas is this big, tall, rich wanker, and Arthur Peck's mum in this film, Penny Peck, used to work for Thomas, and she used to feed him stories about how that they were in love and all that kind of stuff. They don't really make it clear, but clearly, at some point, Thomas Wayne was in love with his mother, and there's a huge possibility that he is the father of the Joker, which gives it a great amount of depth. Wow, I mean, that's really cool. But, of course, rich, powerful people, um, uh, the records are all sort of fudged and she has paranoid, disillusioned sociopath, all that kind of stuff. And once she starts reading and he starts finding out truth, to me, that's not – I don't really care about that. I really like watching him – unfold uh and into something that's just it was just inevitable that he was going to be the the forefront of this new movement that in this era which i'm assuming was the 80s or 70s uh crime uh garbage all over the streets the union it was really dirty time so anyone who was below a certain tier was treated like shit the rich were wealthy the poor were poorer all that kind of stuff. It really paints great, great scenery, great storylines for this movie. Just just a rocket into that eight point five out of ten rating that it gets. I yeah, you know, and that's I'm not. I haven't even touched on Joaquin Phoenix's ability to to pull off a role. You've got undoubtedly the best Joker of all time is Heath Ledger. Um, rest in peace, motherfucker. He did just something that just blew us away. And from what we understand, it's possibly what killed him in the end, apart from doing the roles in Dr. Megorium, no, Dr. Parnassus, uh, which is the film that he was halfway through filming before he died of whatever drug overdose. And then, of course, you before that, you've got Jack Nicholson. And after that, you've got, uh, Suicide Squad's Jared Leto, and now we've got this. Now, they're all very comical. Dark Knight, a re-representation of the comedic Joker from Jack Nicholson. And then you've got Suicide Squad, which is on the other side of DC with a totally different type of uh, thing going on there. And then you've got this one, which seems to be more of an origin story of the Joker. I don't mind how they tie it in with the Batman sort of saga, uh, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit vague at the end there. Uh, he he gets he glorifies a bit of it glorifies the criminality at the end, but then that's when they that's what I talked about earlier. They transition from a real dark origin story of 
how much brutality and abuse can one kid take and what is his emotional state and how many how many delusions can he create as he grows up and tries to you know to be honest if you're a normal person and you suffered this much abuse you'd already be a serial killer or you would have offed yourself really early on you know not saying look suicide's bad and if you ever have any problem call some friends call the usual just you know don't take don't take your life i mean there's there's so much help you can get out there but that's what i'm getting at i'm just saying that in this particular film the amount of abuse that he goes through would he would have offed himself as a character way earlier on but he endured everything and took on all that abuse and then formulated this this you know and as i mentioned in the heath ledger uh version of the joker he gets beaten so much and he just doesn't feel pain like somehow he's just he's numb to whatever's going on so it's it sort of makes sense with this this one the joker wakeem's version that he gets nailed and his laughter his his laughter of pain is phenomenal uh you don't see that heath ledger sort of has a more of a power laugh where he's just like he controls the the room when he starts laughing uh Joaquin phoenix's style of laugh is pretty crazy actually um he did some he did some um research and he based it on uh what they call a, a pathological laugher the suffering of a pathological laugher so it's a so they can't they can't help but laugh but they don't want to laugh at certain points that aren't funny or whatever but he just laughs through it and if you, you just just even if you just watch it for how he laughs it's the hardest thing he's ever had to do in form of acting and it it just pulls it off i, I don't give a shit about the green hair and the makeup and the suit towards the end and the 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 absolute um uh twist that you you could call it from transition of dark to comic it, it's pretty cool you'll see it coming but i think this movie is just you just need to appreciate what an actor can produce how he can transform his body into i mean he looks sick uh gaunt his rib cages he's got his skin looks terrible and there's probably some effects there i, I don't know but he just his teeth are fucked there's, there's cracks all over him it just really makes you feel this kid has been through the ringer and then he just unleashes um, this level of confidence with aggression towards anyone rich or anyone above him or anyone's taking the piss. And you know what? That's what movement's all about. It takes a small voice to be heard amongst the large audience and that's what you get. I give this movie the same rating as imdb gives it uh and that's just it it's just a really good film fuck the violence there's violence in every film i've seen violence i never want to see again in some movies and no one talks about them so when this movie got hammered because it was too violent for people i i disagree with that it, it's it's a matter of perspective it's a matter of um how you see it if you if it's too violent for you it's because something within you makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable or maybe 
uh, maybe you yeah you feel uncomfortable and you talk with a friend they're like oh no rides are violent and then of course you start your own little move, movement of how violent this movie is and then that's how it gets onto this onto the media like wow it's so violent but it's the first R-rated film uh, to ever make a billion dollars worldwide one billion dollars for an R-rated film directed by none other than fucking Todd Phillips in 2019. You all remember Todd Phillips. Jesus Christ. It's crazy. The, the fact that this guy could come out and and produce, well, not saying that he didn't, it wasn't in him, but shit. Uh, old school with Will Farrell and Luke Wilson and Vince Vaughn, due date with Zach Galifianakis and Robert Downey Jr., Hangover with Ed Helms, Bradley Cooper, and Zach Galifianakis once again. And obviously, um, you know, uh, War Dogs, Limitless, uh, Star is Born. Uh, just, and then this. He is 100% a wicked director of comedy. And he comes out and does this. Admittedly, though, he was working with a couple of writers as well, so probably that might have helped. So you got Todd Phillips was the writer with Scott uh, Silver, Bob Kane, uh, Bill Finger, and then uh, Jerry Robinson. So, you know, I'm not going to dig into it too much, but I'm pretty sure they would have had a hand in how this, how this film was written and the direction it just had. If I have one thing to pick, if I have one thing to pick, and it's the all the cars throughout this movie seem to be really clean. Like, like they just come out of a collector's sort of storage or museum and they're put on the street for the shot, for the, for the, to set the aesthetics of the era. And they're all, there's like, this VW is literally out front of the shittiest apartment block that Arthur lives in and it's pristine. It's the first thing I noticed. I was like, man, that thing's got to be worth 50 grand. Easy, mint condition. That's that's it. I mean, I don't, I don't want to pick at this film at all in terms of that kind of stuff. But that's the only thing I have is that there was just a little bit of it was just this. This is supposed to be an era where there's rubbish everywhere, smog, it's dirt. Seems to be off the back of some sort of industrial side of things. Like you know, everything's really smoggy. It, it, it's Gotham for fuck's sake. It's dirty, black and dark, and sooty and and you whatever. And the cars are just in mint condition. That's that's all I've got. That's that's all the negative I've got about this film. I know you've all watched it by now, but it is lockdown season, so fuck it. It's on Netflix. Crank it on, watch, and just immerse yourself in what Joaquin Phoenix can do as the Joker. That's it. Nothing else. It's not a superhero movie. It's not villain. It's just it's just the the making of the villain from the dark side to a comedic. Uh, to it, not comic, to a comic. So dark origins to comic. That's what this story is about. Check it out. As always, guys, thanks for listening. This has uh, been my second episode for tonight and it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, all that kind of stuff. So um, I'll drop this on Facebook and Instagram so you guys can have a look. Hashtag Chaos Movies and off the back of Project Chris as well. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll catch up with you later. Bye-bye.